I have it in my head to try to convince my friends that I'm right and they're wrong. Is Hillary running? Yes. Has she told me so? No, of course not. Ann Lewis, her chief political aide, will say only that we're focused on the Senate campaign now. Of course it's a necessary political ruse. Nobody's trying to convince us that Hillary's New York constituents are flocking to vacation in Minnesota and Wisconsin and Ohio, three states she has visited recently. Nobody really believes it's essential to have a state chair in Georgia when you're running for Senate in New York. She is the best possible guy in her California chair, and he told me only recently that he was vitally interested in the New York Senate race. Hillary made headlines in May by inviting her Iowa supporters to her Washington home for a fundraiser, an innovative step to take in a New York race. In politics, there are steps you take when you're running for Senate and steps you take when you're running for president. When you're running for president, you put together a presidential caliber pack run by a veteran presidential caliber campaign chief like Ann Lewis. You start hiring national organizers, you amass a bigger war chest than any other senator who was up for re-election, even though you don't have an opponent yet. You put your people in place in the appropriate think tanks, media groups, state parties, and consulting firms so everybody is ready to go. All of which senatorial candidate Hillary Clinton has done. Since election night 2004, Hillary Clinton has been leading in every poll for the Democratic nomination. Not only does she have the most money, the best organization, and the most loyal staff among all the potential players, she's also young enough, old enough, smart enough, bold enough, and for all those reasons, beloved enough by the voters of the Democratic Party. And there's every reason to believe she's dreamed of it more than two or three times anyway. Why in the world wouldn't she be running? Stop. Can you imagine any man in her position not running? They'd think he was nuts. His staff would kill him. They'd fill out the papers for him. But can she win? Can America elect its first woman president? Can a woman who has been more vilified, humiliated, put down, and yes, lied to more than any of us, can she stand up, fight back, use her own intelligence and power, find her authentic voice, her real style, her center, go into exactly who she was meant to be, and at the age of 60, in her true prime, shatter the glass and change the world? She can. But it will take the help of a lot of people who have not been with her before. Women who did not quite get her, cringed at all the makeovers, found themselves more drawn to him than to her. Women who have been critical in the past. Women like me. I have not always been number one on Hillary's list. At the 2004 convention, Madeleine Albright came up to me wagging her finger. What you said about Hillary's speech last night was not helpful. At first I thought she was kidding. It had been after midnight when I made those comments. Bill's speech, I had said, was terrific. But Hillary's remarks introducing him were no great shakes, especially given the big to-do that had been made about giving her time on the schedule. I gave it two asses, or something like that. On the one-to-four donkey scale, my friend Greta Van Susteren was selling that night. I said what I thought. We need all the help we can get over here, she said, referring to the Fox News channel. 
where I'm a political analyst. Well, I wanted to say I won't have any credibility if I lie, but by then she had disappeared into the box. My buddy, a senior Fox producer who was standing with me, couldn't believe the scene. Madeline and I had known each other more than 20 years. We used to be excluded from all the same meetings together. The Fox producer looked at me and shook her head. Aren't these people your friends, she asked me. I don't blame Madeline, of course. She was just carrying water. I can remember the day I introduced Madeline to the governor. Clinton, I mean. At least it was the first day he saw her in action, and I know he was totally impressed. It was 1988, a prep session before the first presidential debate, and Bill had come in to help Michael Dukakis get ready. I certainly remember the night we three ended up driving around Boston along with the late great political media man Bob Squire, Bruce Lindsay, and of course the trusted Arkansas State Trooper. I was at the wheel of the blue Chevy, looking for a bar that would let us in, certain that the next day would bring disaster. We pulled up at the Four Seasons, and the valet was so full of himself at the sight of all these national media guys that he wouldn't even take the car. All he needed was one look at my dirty Chevrolet with six people crammed in it, this big guy sitting in the middle seat in the front, carrying on and on, and he didn't even bother to look at our faces. VIPs only, he yelled at me, and Bill could not stop laughing. What a sorry bunch, he guffawed, egging Squire on, who was in the passenger seat. You guys can't even get into a bar in your own town. Squire jumped out of the car and started running over to find the captain. He was going to regret it because someday, that big guy in the front seat, he said, was going to be president of the United States. And that woman in the back seat, crammed between two other people, was going to be the secretary of state. And these were the most powerful people, he said, who were ever coming to the Four Seasons Bar. And we laughed and laughed, and Squire got back into the car. Like so much of what Squire said and did in his too short life, it all turned out to be true, except for our premonitions of disaster the next day, of course. On that score, we were just one debate off. Bill Clinton helped me get through the most difficult days of Dukakis's campaign, and the experience forged a deep friendship between us. He used to call me at least twice a day during that campaign. I figured he had already decided he was going to run four years later, and he wanted to know every detail about everything. I had never met anyone with such a voracious appetite or knowledge or insight and such a stunning command of politics. Dukakis routinely rejected the great lines our communications guy, George Stephanopoulos, wrote for him. I sent them on to Clinton. The best intern in the place was Gene Sperling, hands down, and he sent Clinton stuff, too. Believe me, Bill took names. He studied the poll numbers more carefully than Dukakis himself and knew every mistake the candidate made. He was also the first person who called to console me the morning after the election. He did everything he could to try to communicate with the candidate and defend me from criticisms I myself couldn't answer. So, when Bill got in trouble with Jennifer and Paula and all of that, I did my best to defend him. I did it because I thought the Republicans were going way too far, but mostly I did it because in Boston that's what's known as loyalty. When a friend is in the right, it isn't a matter of loyalty to support him. That's easy. That's just doing the right thing. No credit for that. It's when somebody screws up that they need their friends. That's when loyalty kicks in.
I've never been as close with Hillary as with Bill, though she's always been very pleasant to me. When I spent time at the White House during the Clinton presidency, I was talking with him, not her. When my family and I stayed overnight, she was out at dinner. When she returned, she visited with us and then went to bed at a reasonable hour. He had dinner with my family, put my children to bed, and stayed up talking with me until two in the morning. When I attended dinners at the White House, I sat with him. I danced with him. He used to call me on the phone. We exchanged notes on a regular basis. When I would stop in Washington and visit the White House, he would sit with me in the Oval Office talking about the press and the Republicans and how he was doing. If you go looking for old quotes, you won't find many places where I criticized President Clinton. But President Hillary? That's another matter. In the years leading up to the 2004 race, you can find me saying that she shouldn't run, how divisive she would be as a candidate, how the Clintons needed to move aside, stop dropping hints about Hillary, and give the real candidates a chance. Sean Hannity loves to remind me that I once lamented that the Clintons suck all the oxygen out of the room. By the room, I love to remind him I meant the race for the 2004 nomination. If you were John Kerry, would you want to compete with Bill and Hill for attention? My point was that Kerry and Co. didn't stand a chance by comparison, and since I was certain she wasn't going to run, I didn't think they should play. But that line earned me a few calls from old friends asking what had happened to me if Fox was making me say such things. I said I wanted the Democrats to win, and for the record, I say whatever I want, on Fox or anywhere else. The right is very afraid of Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton. This is a different game. After a decade of being dismissed as the First Lady of Twelve Hairdos or St. Hillary of Big Health Care, she has transcended the rude comments and partisan character assassination attempts. Today, she...